Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for being here and joining in this very exciting journey. So uh, just as Tanya said just a few moments ago, we started last week a brand new journey together as a church. This is something we're doing individually as families, but we're doing that individually in families because we are together and doing this together as a church. We're all stepping into the water, up the mountain together in faith, and we're taking these huge risks. And so uh, this is called very simply the Yes Journey or the Yes Campaign. And that is what we are doing here today. We started it last week, but we're going to be doing this for several weeks. And so uh, if you didn't get one of those accessories that Tanya was wearing, the swag bag, we have plenty of them for you at Connection Point. If you have questions, there's a room upstairs. So be sure to check on all of that stuff. Okay, so I want to start with a story. It was June 3rd, 2017. And it was barely in the morning, just as the sun was peeking over the horizon, and it was hitting the top of the tallest mountains in this area. And there's this guy named Alex, who was already making his way through the woods to the base of one of the most famous mountains in the world called El Capitan in Yosemite National Park in California. There's a picture of it. And he's at the base of this cliff because he is about to climb it. It's 3,000 feet. It's taller than the tallest building, the Burj Khalifa, which is what that is. It's taller than the Burj Khalifa. 3,000 feet high. It's, It's hard to even imagine how high that is. But that's not the most amazing thing that he climbed it. It's the way that he climbed it. Alex Honnold is going to climb this mountain, 3,000 feet of rock face, pretty much sheer rock face with a few cracks here and there, and he's going to do it without ropes, carabiners, pitons, or any equipment of any kind other than a little chalk bag because it's going to be really hard work and he's going to be sweating. And that keeps his fingers dry so he can actually grip the rock. That's all he had. He's going to free climb it. No safety whatsoever. One wrong move, he's done. And so Alex starts up this mountain. In fact, they had a whole camera crew that were showing that documented this whole thing because he was, he, you know, he did this over quite some time. And I have a picture. Here's a picture of Alex climbing that. Can you imagine? Does that make some of you sick to your stomach just looking at it? Let alone doing it. You're like, I can't even look at that. That makes me sick. Alex Hano, again, he, there are no ropes. That is just him on the rock face about At that point, I think about halfway up on the crack that he had to work his way up, maybe two-thirds of the way up. So at some point, he gets to this thing that the climbers call on this particular route that he took called the boulder problem. And the boulder problem is pitch number 23 on this climb. I love mountains, so I get kind of geeky, nerdy about this stuff. But he hits this thing called the boulder problem, and it's where there's no other option where your two hands, his two hands are on this like... I don't know, I don't know how wide it is, but it's just tiny. And his one foot is on a ledge that's about the size of like a penny. I kid you not. And then he has to swing and karate kick his leg out to the side of this piece of rock. And he has to nail it. Again, he's 2,000 feet up at this point. He has to nail it. Otherwise, he's done. And in the documentary that they show, you can see the camera people, they're like stressed out when he gets to that spot because they've been planning for this for a long time. And they know this is kind of the critical moment. If something might go wrong, this might be the spot. 
And you can see this is a picture of in that moment when he did this. And you can see that leg out there. And he nailed it, of course. And he ends up getting to the top of this mountain. Now, the question I have for you today is this. How did Alex Honnold climb that mountain? How did he get his body and his mindset and his emotions in a place where he could actually do that without ropes or carabiners or pitons or anything? The answer is that he had three things, and he did three things that I'm asking all of us as a church to do together. Those things are, those three things are very simple. Commitment, sacrifice, and training. Commitment, sacrifice, and training. You have to commit to what you're going to do, and you have to commit all the way through it. You have to re-up on that commitment every day, don't you? You have to sacrifice. Alex had to sacrifice two years of his life, spending basically every moment of every day training to climb that mountain. He spent two years preparing for that. It's not like he just woke up one day and was like, hmm, I think I'm just going to do that today. No, he planned and prepared. He has a notebook in the documentary that they show. He has a notebook that's full where he wrote down every move that he has to make up the entire 3,000 feet. He had notes about every move and he memorized them. It's crazy. And then the biggest thing you need is you need training. He had to train for it. He climbed with ropes and safety equipment many, many times to make sure he had all those moves down, especially that boulder problem spot. Because he wanted to make sure I know how to do this. Because when the moment comes, I want to say yes and let's go. In fact, this training includes all kinds of things, but I have a picture of this. In his van, which is basically where he lives when he's getting ready to climb a major mountain, Alex is, he has this thing called a fingerboard. We have a picture of that. Look at this fingerboard. You can't see at the top, but it's basically this board that has all these tiny little holes, and he locks his fingers in different positions and then just does pull-ups on it. I'm like, man, the bar is hard enough. Right? How, anybody here with me on that? Like the bar is hard enough. But he's doing this with little finger holds. He'll do it with like pinkies and all this kind of stuff. And he'll lift himself, his whole body weight up just by little fingertips. That's how the training was intense. And I love what Alex says. In this little documentary, he says this about how he was able to prepare and conquer his fear. Listen to this. He says, you need to gradually broaden your comfort zone. Until your comfort zone includes things that seemed previously impossible. That's what God is asking you to do. He's asking you to step in faith. Outside of your comfort zone. If it's in the comfort zone, you're not trusting God. I told the teens that last Sunday. Some of them... We're a little shocked about that. I said, if you're not outside your comfort zone, you're not actually trusting God. You can say all you want that you're trusting God, but you, you don't have to, so therefore you're not. You have to get outside of a space where you think you can control it. And, and, and when you're out there where you go, God, all I have is you, then you know whether you can trust him or not. Gradually broaden your comfort zone until it includes things that before you thought were going to be impossible. And God says, oh, they're not impossible. You just need to trust me. 
Now, there's a guy in the Bible who had to learn this as well, as you would imagine. His name is Moses. You guys remember Moses? Moses is one of those guys, he had to learn this as well. He didn't have to, you know, free climb a mountain like Alex Honnold, but he did have to do some pretty crazy, scary things. So you remember when the first time is that God really spoke to Moses? You remember that moment? Where did God speak to Moses from? Do you remember that? A burning bush. God had lit this bush on fire, but the bush was not burning up. And so he spoke to Moses through this burning bush. And he asked Moses, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and you're going to go confront Pharaoh and you're going to free the Israelites, the entire nation, about a million people from slavery. And so, and by the way, Moses is a wanted felon for murder back in Egypt. So this is not a good place to go. He escaped there years before. And so God says, no, I want you to go back there and you're going to free the Israelites. And so, you know what Moses said when God asked him to do that? You guys know the story, don't you? Moses said, uh, no way. He said, no. He didn't say no once. He didn't say no twice. He didn't say no three times. He didn't say no four times. He told God no five times. And the last one, Moses got really desperate. He was making all these fun, like he really nuanced excuses. And then on the last time that Moses said no, he said, God, please just send somebody else. In other words, God, I just don't want to go. I don't know if you were picking that up. I think God knew. But God pushed on him again. He said, Moses, say yes. And Moses said yes. And he goes with his brother Aaron back to Egypt, and he had to say yes ten more times to confront the most powerful man on the planet, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of Egypt back then. And he confronts Pharaoh, and he says, let the people go, and they don't, and they don't, and they don't, and God shows up, and he does all the plagues. Remember all the plagues? He shows all the plagues, and eventually Pharaoh says, okay, please just get out of here. And so a million Israelites leave Egypt. You know who their leader has to be? <laughs> Moses. The one who said no five times to God. But then they get to this moment. You guys know the moment. They get stuck on the side of the sea. The Red Sea. You remember that? And they're stuck against this huge body of water. And he, uh, the Pharaoh has changed his mind. He is not a, he's not happy that he lost his entire slave labor. And so he sends his entire army out to chase them down and bring them back to Egypt either kill them or bring them back into slavery. And so there's this moment where Moses and the Israelites, they're trapped between the water and the Egyptian army. There's nowhere to go. And I love what Moses says to the Israelites in this moment. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, he says this. Moses says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Let me ask you this question. How does Moses, this guy who said no to God over and over and over again, he was scared to death to do anything that God wanted him to do, how did he go from that to now in this moment where he doesn't see a way out, the Egyptian army is here, the most powerful army on the planet at that time in history, and this water where there's no way across. It's, it's not like it's a little creek, it's the sea. 
There's no way out there. There's no options. And Moses says, you guys, God's got this. We're good. And he says yes to God before he even knows what the yes is. He says, God, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. We're in. We're doing it. Whatever it is, I don't know what you're about to do, but you're going to do it. Moses says yes before he even knew what God was saying yes to. How did he do that? Well, how he did that was commitment, sacrifice, and training. Moses had given his life to serve God at that point. He had spent time sacrificing his entire, all of his time, his money, his energy in order to free the Israelites because that's what God asked him to say yes to. And then he'd been training to say yes. You know what Moses said in the midst of when God said, okay, I want you to go back to Pharaoh because Pharaoh said no again. Moses, I want you to go back to Pharaoh. You know what Moses said in the midst of those times? You can go look at the book of Exodus. Moses says, but God, I, 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 still, I still don't speak well. I stutter and I don't, know what, I don't know what my words need to be and all this stuff. This is like the first protest that Moses gave God before he went back to Egypt. He was still struggling with it. The reason Moses got to this point where they're trapped between these two impossible things and Moses says yes, the reason he can do that is because he's learned to say yes to God because God has been faithful and he knows that he can trust him. So that's what I'm asking you guys to believe in today. That you can climb the mountain. Maybe not exactly like Alex did. I'm not going to ask you to do that. But God is asking all of us in here to do something, to sacrifice in some way, to commit to him in some way, to take a step of faith. Every one of us in here has a step that God wants us to take, whatever that is. And that's what this yes journey is all about. So I want to talk about this a little bit because I did not really get into the details of this last week. So this yes journey really has two main parts to it. Let me talk about the first one. So the first one is a spiritual commitment. The first one is a spiritual journey. So starting tomorrow, we are going to start a 21-day journey all the way until Sunday, February 26th, 21 days. And on that journey, we are going to take some spiritual commitments. We're going to do some sacrifice stuff. Okay? No, you don't have to bring animals. We're not, going to, you know, we're not doing that. Some of you are like, whoa, what are we doing? No, 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 this is for you guys to do, right? But, and, and I'll just say this, this is going to be something where you have an opportunity to take a step that maybe you've never taken before. And so, um, in fact, let's just do this. You guys have these on your chairs. Go ahead and get these out because I'm going to talk about this for just a moment, okay? Go ahead and just, just so you have it in front of you. It'll be on the screen in front of you. Uh, but I just want you to have this in your hand because you're going to do something with this at the end of the service, at the end of the service, we're going to have a song. We're going to sing a song together. But while we do that, you're going to kind of dig into this and you're going to decide what you want to do. Okay? So there's a lot to the spiritual commitment. Now, here's what we're hoping. We've been praying for that every person, adult, teenager, kid, every person engages and does at the minimum in our church. What we're asking for you to do from a minimum level sacrifice point is to sign, put your name, email, cell number on this card, and then sign it. Now, 
You might be wondering, well, what am I committing to if I do that? It's very simple. If you do that, you are committing to spend 21 days every single day going through this. Okay? Pastor Nick put this together. This is specifically designed and built for our church for 21 days. It's printed, bound, and everything, right? Didn't it look out? It just turned out awesome. Isn't that amazing? You're going to get this on the way out. Okay? Every person in here gets one of these on the way out. Okay? If you sign this spiritual commitment card at that minimum level, that's what we're hoping everybody's willing to do, there's a scripture passage. There's a focus thought, just a little paragraph, not long, and then some response questions. Two to four questions averages out to about two that you can respond and you can write some things in. Some of you who are generals, you're like, ooh, yeah. Some of you who are not, you're like, oh, I have to write it down. I have to, I have to capture my thoughts. Oh, it's the worst. That's just the worst when I have to capture my thoughts. But that's what we're asking you to do. That's on, that's on the minimum level. Now, this is what we hope everybody will do. And so if you just simply sign this card, and by the way, why are there two of them? You're going to fill out the top one. You're going to drop the, the other one in here on your way out so that we're going to track all this stuff. This is not so we can call you and be like, you know, you should have done more. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But here's what we are going to do. We're going to tabulate everything that everybody's doing. And then, you know, that Sunday, that reveal Sunday on March 12th, we're going to actually tell you how many minutes and how much time we spent fasting and how many people did this. And it's going to be awesome because we're all doing this together. And we just want to know all the things that God is doing in every person's life. Even though we're not going to know the specifics, we're going to know what you committed to. And we're going to do this together. Isn't that awesome? Now, if you want to go and take this a little bit deeper, to a deeper level, then there's a, a bottom section of the card. This is, this is the scary section of the spiritual commitment card. Dun, dun, dun. Right? But if you want to go a little bit deeper, there's some options. So one of the biggest options is to pray every single day at 3.16 p.m. Okay? How cool is that? And the reason we chose 3.16 p.m. is because Joshua 3, 15 and 16 is that moment where the Israelites are on the edge of the river and they step into the river and God stops the water. There's this miraculous moment. And so we chose 3.16 in the afternoon. By the way, you know when you're going to get your devotional? 3.16 in the morning. It'll just be in your inbox and you're ready to go. Some of you, maybe you'll get it when you're, you know, maybe you're up then. Cool. But you're going to have it when you get up. But at 3.16 in the afternoon, we're going to have everybody praying at the same minute in the same moment. And a lot of the teens, they were like, uh, let's see, I'm in Spanish class. That was, right, that was the big talk. It was right like, what class am I going to be in? And so it's, we're going to be awesome. They're going to stand up and they're going to be praying in Spanish, you know. It's going to be amazing. I'm just kidding. You don't, you don't have to do this out loud. They're like, well, how do we do that? You can pray quietly. No, you don't even have to close your eyes. We do in our household. But if I'm sitting in a, in a class or if I'm driving, I can tell you I don't close my eyes when I'm driving, when I'm praying. That's a bad thing. I trust God, but mm, God's probably like, you're an idiot. <laughs> if you want to pray along with us, I'm hoping that a lot of people do that with us at minimum. And then this might be a huge step. We're asking people to consider fasting. 
Fasting is very simply giving something up and replacing that time, that energy, spending, talking, praying, reading God's word, insert something where you're listening for God in those moments. Now, fasting typically is tied to food, okay? So that might be what you want to do. Uh, I already know what my commitment's going to be. I'm not going to tell you. But I know what my commitment is going to be. We don't, we don't need to have a, um, <laughs> I have the wrong word in my head. Uh, we don't need to have a shouting match over our spiritual journey, okay? Who's more mature? We don't need that. But here's what I would say. God is asking you to say yes to something on here. What is it? Listen to that. Do it. Especially when it's scary. But you might want to fast from food altogether. Make sure you, you're healthy enough to do that. Maybe you want to do like the Daniel fast. In the spiritual guide, it explains what that is. So I'm not going to explain it here today. But maybe you want to do that. Maybe you want to fast certain meals. Maybe you want to fast certain foods. Maybe you want to give up sugar. Maybe you want to give up coffee. Oh, if you want to trust God. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to get some counseling calls over these 21 days, aren't I? Whatever it is, maybe you want to give up a comfort item. Maybe you want to give up your phone, your social media time, other than what you absolutely need it for. Teens, maybe you want to give up Xbox. That's hard stuff right there. Fast and replace that time when you're hungry and you really want to play Xbox. You know what you do when you think about that and you're frustrated about it? Oh, that's good time. You know what that is? That's where you go, God, I am angry about this, but I'm doing this for you, so what do you have for me? So we're going to ask everybody in here, and if you're online, you can do this online. We're asking everybody to do this. Fill out one, turn one in. There's a table on your way out. It says yes on that table. You probably saw it when you came in. Drop it in that basket, and then keep the other one for your record so you know what you committed to. And we're all going to commit to this at the same time, the same way. All right? Now, that's the first part of the commitment, is the spiritual commitment. Now, why do we do that? The reason we're doing that is because we need to commit and sacrifice and train to hear what? To hear what God's yes for you is. Whatever that is. And so, there's a second part to this. And that's the financial sacrifice. Oh, man, this is the part everybody loves because we get to talk about money. Yay! It's our favorite part. You know why it's our favorite part? You know why this is so hard to hear? Because money has a hook in us like nothing else. And I'm included in that one, too. Money has hooks in us like nothing else does. And so this last, this other commitment is a financial sacrifice. Now, here's what you're going to see. When you get this spiritual guide, journey guide book, tucked inside is a financial commitment card, okay? So that might sound weird to some of us. And you're like, why is a financial commitment card stuck into our spiritual journey? Spiritual journey and money are separate. There's the first lie of the devil. First lie of the devil of the day. Spiritual and money are two separate things. They don't, they don't go hand in hand. Let me tell you that they go hand in hand more than you would imagine. What's the one topic that Jesus talked about more than anything in all of God's Word? You know what it is? Money. You know why? Because He knew it was the biggest problem for us. 
So the financial commitment card is very simply tucked in that spiritual guide because here's the deal. I want you to hear this loud and clear. We don't want anybody making any financial sacrifice or commitment until you first hear what God is asking you to say yes to. This is not between you and me and you and Northridge and you and whatever. This is between you and God. That's it. This is between you and God. And, and some of you might, like, this might be sounding weird. It might come across hard because the truth is that Northridge, you guys know this, we don't talk about money very much. You guys know that. You're like, I don't even remember. Some of you are sitting here going, I don't even remember the last time I heard you talk about money. And, and let me just tell you two things about that. These are, this is important. On the one side, the reason we don't talk a whole lot about money is because our church tends to have a lot of people who have been burned by churches that they were only about money. You hear me on that? I know because I've had many conversations with many of you and you've said that. You've been to churches where all they were about was money. That's all you ever heard about. Well, the truth is, now let me give you the other side of that coin. I think that we're probably maybe a little bit too soft on the whole money thing actually at our church. Because I don't want you to even have an idea that we're hearing about money. Well, you know what we're here about? We're here about you giving every aspect, every ounce of your life to God. And that has to include money. And so we will talk about it more, of course, during the campaign. But we will, I, I promise you, and you can hold me accountable to this because it is one of the biggest things that holds us back from a spiritual faith depth. And so this commitment card is tucked in the correct place, even though it seems weird. And so let me just kind of explain, and I'm going to go through this really quickly. I'll dive into this a little bit more deeply in the subsequent weeks. But this financial commitment card, and we have it on the screen so you can kind of see this. It's broken up into half. It'll look different. It's all in one. See, it's kind of long and thin. It didn't fit on the screen this way. I don't know why. Like we designed it wrong or something. I don't know. But it turned out really good. So here's the two main commitments that we're asking you guys to consider. Again, this is between you and God. The first one is on Sunday, February 26th, we're going to have a commitment Sunday. This is where you come prepared to give whatever offering you're prepared to give. The biggest, best offering that God said you need to say yes to. This would probably be in the form of like a check or cash or maybe you bring it somewhere that maybe you want to do a bank transfer. What I don't care. Whatever you're going to do. But this is like you bet you're bringing your best offering that day. And once again, remember what I said about the spiritual commitment card? This is not going to be like a, 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 a boxing match. And everybody's like, here's what I brought. Look at my number. You know, we're not going to, we're going to do this like together in the service, but you're going to do this so that this card is private. Okay. You're going to drop it into a receptacle. It's going to be tied in with this mountain and all that stuff. This mountain's going to look a little bit different that day. And you're going to do that and you'll commit this. This will all be private so nobody else is going to see it other than finance team later on. Because somebody has to look at them. But that's it. So we're asking you to bring your best, biggest offering that day that God is asking you to say yes to. And then we're asking you to make a commitment to a two-year financial commitment, sacrifice. So this probably is a monthly payment for Laura and I. I know it's going to be. 
or quarterly, or maybe you just give a lump sum once a, once a year, that's fine too. Whatever you want to do, I'm not going to tell you how. Um, but this is going to require some sacrifice. And this is the hard part. This is above and beyond the 10% tie that you already give and the offerings that you already give. That's the hard part. So let me just use Laura and I example. Laura and I example, we already give 10% of our income. The first 10% goes to God, goes to the church. And then we give offerings to other people and other things as we feel God asks us to say yes to those. So we do 10% back to God and then offerings on top of that. What Laura and I are talking about is how, what, what is God asking us to do beyond that, right? That, it has to go above and beyond that. And so like one of the things that we're going to do, and I'm just going to get specific here, but this might be helpful. Uh, and this was a struggle for me. Uh, but Laura and I have talked about this. We've been praying about this. And uh, we think that for these two years, we need to give up um, our TV subscription, which is to the tune of a fair amount every month. Now, the biggest thing is that that doesn't like, take us out of some of the movies and things like that that we have to watch, so we'll still be okay there. But the biggest thing for me, you know what it is? Live sports. Uh, I love live sports. I love them because I love sports. I love talking sports. I love watching sports. I love coaching sports. I love playing sports. I love sports. I love it. And so, I, I don't know, I'll probably have to find some online venue and some of you are going to have ideas for me. I know. I get it. You're like, uh, did you know you can stream that through such and such and this? I got it. I got it. It's still painful for me, though, because I can't DVR it, you know? And go through the commercials. Football games take an hour and a half instead of three. It's awesome. But we know that that's, that's not all, but that's part of our sacrifice that we're going to make as a family in order to be able to give above and beyond. So this is going to be a sacrifice. We're asking everybody to consider that. Okay. So... The deal is we're asking you to say yes to whatever God is asking you to say yes to. So we have a special treat here today. We have Rick and Debbie Wojtacek. And guys, if you go ahead and make your way on up, that'd be awesome. Um, Rick and Debbie Wojtacek uh, have quite a story about their yes to God. And we're going to hear a little bit of that now. And so I'm going to interview them. And, uh, and you guys are just going to be, it's just amazing to hear how God has worked in their life. And so they're going to they're gonna come sit up here and grab their microphones on that stuff. And we'll, we'll get set up. Uh, but would you guys give them a hand? Because this is a big deal for them to come up here. This is huge. Perfect. All right, Rick and Debbie. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, seriously, this is, uh, we were joking this morning, uh, whenever we ask people to share their story, um, usually what we almost always get is like, that would be awesome. I've always been wanting to do that. I'm just kidding. We've never heard that. Not even once. Not literally, not once. Uh, what we usually get is, I don't know if I could do that. And then, and then we get to the point where they're like, God wants me to say yes to that. And we'll share our story. So Rick and Debbie are here. Um, so Rick and Debbie, thank you for sharing your story here today. This is, this is awesome. Uh, so I've gotten to know Rick and Debbie over the last several years. They've been part of our church for a long time. Uh, but they have quite a journey to share. And so we're going to jump right in. All right? Sound good? <laughs> you guys are like, yep, let's get this done. Um, so uh, your first big yes happened early on in your marriage when you just had one kid. Um, and, and he was really young. Um, so tell us what that first big yes was and kind of how we got to that point, if you would. So just to give you a little bit of background, um, Rick and I were both raised Catholic, 
and Rick's family was holiday goers at best, probably, and even that kind of phased out as he grew up a little bit. Um, my family was, my mom was a committed church goer, my dad was not. Um, so we knew who Jesus was, but we did not have any idea what it looked like to walk with Jesus on a daily basis or to have a relationship with him. Um, so that's kind of where we started. We met very young. We met at 16. We dated all through high school and college and um, got married very young. We were very immature. <laughs> and, um, no, we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have matured so well now, though. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> so we were young and immature. Um, we were not involved in a church at that point at all, Catholic or otherwise. Uh, we had no spiritual... Um, direction at that point and we were kind of just living on autopilot (laughs) and we had our first son and he was about one and a half or so it was fall I remember it was September of 1996 and we had gone to a family gathering at my mom's to celebrate my brother's birthday And so we were all there as a family, and my sister kind of announced at that point that she was going to be leaving early and going to a drama that was being held at a local church in Kenosha, where we lived at the time. And this church, this particular church she was going to, it was not a Catholic church. It was a Bible-believing church similar to Northridge, but it was a very large church. It was a mega church on a main thoroughfare of Kenosha. And it was a church that we used to drive by, and Rick would always say, gosh, that just, you know, is all they want is your money. I would never step foot in that church. <laughs> I think that we just talked about something like that or something. I don't know. <laughs> God has a sense of humor hmm. of um, how that comes full circle. So we were at my mom's celebrating my brother's birthday, and my sister said, I'm leaving and heading to this drama. Would anybody like to come with us? And for some reason we accepted that invitation, packed up and headed off to this drama at this church in Kenosha. And we get to this church and the drama is small skits being played out. And it it was called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. And it was drama uh, and kind of depicting what happens Mm -hmm. and if you are a Christian or not a Christian. So pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, I'll, I'll walk it back a little bit because Deb didn't know this at the time, but for the last probably two years, I'd really been struggling with, uh, I was very fearful of dying in a car accident. And so every day on the way to work and the way back from work, I just, I was fearful of dying in a car accident, didn't know what happens after that. Am I going to heaven? I knew of heaven and hell, but didn't know where I would go and what would happen to my family. And mm. so it was a, a very, this God, it's, God's amazing. Um, one of the skits during this drama was literally a father is driving on his way to work, is bringing his son to the daycare to drop him off, and they get in a car accident. They both die. The son, this gets me every time, the son goes to heaven, and the father doesn't. And it was a pretty intense drama, and it was, it was right where I was at. So God had pre- been preparing Rick's mind and heart for that moment for literally two years. And we obviously had no idea that that was happening. I had no idea that was happening because I didn't know he was struggling with that. So as we're sitting in this drama, um, our one and a half year old at that point is now at 
his attention span is done. And he is starting to crawl around underneath the pew and whatnot. So I'm not that focused at this point, and I'm thinking, oh, Rick is going to get really upset that he is not sitting still. <laughs> and so I thought, well, um, all of a sudden, the drama kind of ends. The pastor comes up to the front of the church and does a explains what it is to give your life to the Lord and um, if you're feeling that to please stand and I'm paying attention to our son and pretty soon my husband stands up and I was shocked and tears are streaming down his face and he turned to me and the pastor invited you to come up to the front of the church and he turned to me and said will you go with me and I handed our one-year-old to my mom and we walked to the front of the church and gave our life to the Lord that night. So that was the beginning mm. of what we had no idea was to come. <laughs> we drove home that evening in silence in the car, sat in our living room after we put our one-year-old to bed and looked at each other and said, what just happened? <laughs> That's amazing, guys. God leads you, and, and the fact that God put you in a place where it, it confronted, Rick, your fear head on and said, this is exactly what you fear, and I'm going to solve that tonight. Amazing. Just amazing. So that first yes was huge, right? And, and you thought, okay, good. We got the big one out of the way. But then what you didn't realize is that was going to lead into a change of life. So just kind of do a brief for the next several years, what happened, uh, you know, in, in the, after that initial big yes? What changed uh, for you guys? God continued to work pretty quickly for our story. And that following Monday, that was a Sunday, and we had filled out a card saying that we had given our life to the Lord, left it at hmm. the church. Monday, I get a phone call from a pastor. And he introduces himself. He said, I see your age. I see you're newly married. I'm starting a young married couples group on Wednesday evening. I know this is short notice, but would you be interested in joining us? I was like, mm, I don't know. And, uh, I've never seen that as a pastor. I'm not, that's amazing. You were just going to... So I called Rick at work and I said, guess what? Pastor Mark just called our house. And he invited us to do this young married couples group. And, you know, again, I never thought Rick would say yes to that. And he's like, I think we should do it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so literally two days later, three days later, after giving our life to, we started a small group. And that Sunday, that following Sunday, we woke up on Sunday morning and looked at each other and said, well, now what? Do we go back to the Catholic Church? What, what, what do we do? What do we do? And Rick said, well, I think we should try going to church there. Yeah. So we started attending church regularly on Sundays. We got plugged into the small group. Um, as we continued to learn and grow about Jesus and our faith continued to deepen at that point, we started getting more and more involved. We started ushering and serving and um, we were there every Wednesday night, and by then our family was growing. We had our second and probably third son by that point, and um, they were in small groups from day one. And so we then started teaching small groups. We grew into teaching small groups. Rick grew into giving of his time and talents and the respect of 
um, doing their audit, taking a week's vacation, doing their audit for them, um, all sorts of things. Pastor Mark, who invited us to our first small group, left that church to plant a new, uh, plant a church in Illinois. And we committed, we felt God calling us again, and we committed to one year of going down and planting a church and getting that church started. We did that for a year and then came back. So we just continued to, to grow in our faith. Lots of yeses. <laughs> lots of yeses. And so these yeses, it's amazing because the one yes then ended up in lots of other yeses and it kept leading you deep in your faith. Uh, and then there was kind of this moment where you got to this, there was another big yes on the horizon uh, that maybe wasn't quite on, fully on the radar, but God knew it had to be there. And so tell us about that. It was kind of hitting that, that financial yes, that big one. Yeah, like, well, like, like Deb said, we had, there were a lot of yeses, and we had you know, given a lot of our time and a lot of our talents, but maybe not as much of our treasures, right? So, <laughs> um, and, and again, God just kind of working, working on us. And I don't know exactly what it was that triggered it, whether it was so, you know, a, a sermon from the pastor or something that I read in the Bible, but God was just really working on me to start tithing. We hadn't been doing that consistently or, or really at all. And, um, and at this time, correct me if I'm wrong here, Deb, but I think we had, you know, our kids and I had just opened a business. You just quit your job. We were like dead broke and we were do, making all these crazy decisions. <laughs> we did decisions. not have 10% to give. <laughs> and I, it just, God was just working on me and I came home one day and said, Deb, I really think we need to start tithing. Uh, and I said, crazy. absolutely not. <laughs> I said, where, I, I literally said, where do you think that's going to come from? Like, we're bare, we are living check to check right now, Rick. And I, can we start with 2%? 3%? And Rick said, 10%. We're going all in. I said, Deep five, into the pool. 5%. And he said, Debbie, sometimes you just need to trust God. Hmm. I said, okay. Sometimes it's the things that we hold on to the tightest that God wants us to, wants us to give up the most. And so, um, yeah, that was tough. I mean, it was in the fall, and it was, you know, it was, it was not easy. I mean, that was a struggle um, to do that. We gave things up that we didn't think we would ever give up and, um, and so forth. But, um, again, God works in just amazing ways. Um, as a lot of us do, January is, you know, compensation review time, and that was that, was that for me at work as well. And during that time... Uh, God just blessed us with uh, a raise at work that literally was twofold of what our tithing commitment was. That's amazing. Which was only literally a couple months later. And it always brings us back to um, Malachi 3.10, where mm. Jesus says, test me and I will open up the windows of heaven and pour blessings down on you. Wow. And we just really truly saw that happen. That's amazing. That's awesome, guys. Um, so you kind of felt like, oh, man, we jumped in. So Debbie's negotiating for 2 5%. So you, you can see that this was a little bit of a bargain time. Uh, but we, get, we said, nope, we're all in, 10%. So you felt like then maybe that was, that was the big financial yes. But then there was something else on the horizon. Uh, I know we just have a couple questions left. But that, that, what was that next big? You thought, oh, that was the big yes. And then God said, no, there's, there's another yes there. And so China, tell us what was going on at that, that time, the church and everything, and, and what God was saying there. So I know you guys are probably going to think we're making this up at this point, but literally our church was doing a capital campaign to build a youth wing. And we had, I, I don't recall how long from when we started tithing to when that happened. Um, 
but the capital campaign came up and Rick said, I think we need to um, consider giving to this. And I'm like, we already tithe. No, like, no. <laughs> and he said, you, you, um, can, you can hear the no person in the group. No, I'm just saying. So if you have spiritual advice, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Debbie. <laughs> so he said, well, Debbie, I think that we should pray about this. And I said, okay. So he started praying. We started, I started praying. And he said, let's come back with our numbers and you tell me what God said to you and I'll tell you what God said to me. <laughs> so then um, we came back together with our numbers and he said, what did he tell you? And I gave him my number and he started laughing. <laughs> and he said, um, nope, this is the number he gave me. And it was literally twice my number. And I said, Rick, like how do you think we're going to do that? He said, Debbie, sometimes you got to have faith. Hmm. It was a three-year capital campaign. Yeah, three years, yeah. And we took our number, divided it against the three years, and we accomplished it. Hmm. Somehow. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a, I, can, you, can you see? And they're still married. They're doing great. <laughs> right? This is good. And God, but God wrestled. What I love is this is real. This is not one of those things where it's just God flashes the number of neon lights in front of both of you and you're like, you guys are good. You have to wrestle it down and say, what is God saying yes to, asking us to say yes to? And you guys got that. You guys are here. You guys are doing amazing. And so thank you. So uh, let's land the plane on this, uh, on this question. Thank you. This is amazing, guys. Um, what, I'll, just, I'll just say this. What have you learned? What's, what's the fruit like, what's been the result of you guys over a lifetime, essentially, now saying yes over and over and over again to God? What, what do you see as the, the fruit and the blessing of that? Too many to count. Um, we thoroughly believe that our yeses have changed the trajectory of our life completely. Um, our three children never knew us as not Christians. We, we had the privilege to raise them as Christians. We had the privilege to make sure they had deep roots and a firm foundation. And that alone is mm. just an honor. I, I were in awe of when we look back at our story, what the Holy Spirit has done and where we came from and where we are. And to be basically first-generation Christians in our family and to now see our children living out that life and to see how different, how mature they are, how much wiser they are at such a young age. We, we, we didn't have that. And um, to see now our oldest son has just started his family and has his first child and to see the next generation be raised up as Christians. Thank you, guys. Can you guys give them a hand? Because that's huge. Thank you. Thank you guys. So what is God asking you to say yes to? Rick and Debbie, their whole story is what Alex was saying. Broaden your comfort zone. Step out of your comfort zone until where you end up is what you thought previously was not even possible. 
What is your yes? What is your yes? So what we're going to do is, um, in a moment, I'm just going to pray, and we're going to sing one last song. And this is going to be a time, I want to invite you, you can stand, I'm going to stand and sing, because I already, I already know what I'm doing with my spiritual commitment card, but maybe you're here and you're not sure yet. And so during this song, feel free to stand and sing, feel, feel free to stay seated and fill out that card. But as you walk out, we want everybody to just kind of know what their commitment is today. And again, this starts tomorrow. And we want to track all this. We know where everybody's at, what everybody's doing. And by the way, I don't know how many, but we have a whole bunch of online that have already been done before this service ever started. So that's really cool. Um, so people are already engaging and knowing what they want to do, which is awesome. So for this next song, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing this song, spend that time, fill out the card. And as soon as the song is done, there's a table right over there. Drop it in the basket. And I'm going to be praying that God does what only he can do with the yeses. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for everybody that's here. In this next moment, as we sing this, well, it's a new song for us, for our church, God. You know this song is all about inviting you and your presence, the Holy Spirit, into this place. Holy Spirit, would you come here? Would you mess with us? Would you move in this place? That's this whole, the whole point of this song. And so as we sing this, God, in these next few moments, I pray that you would impress upon people the spiritual commitment that they need to take that will lead to other yeses. Just like Rick and Debbie were sharing, they would not even be here sharing their story without their yeses first. They had to say yes first. And you've, you've shown yourself faithful throughout their story, throughout each of our stories. And so in this moment, may you impress upon us the yes that you're calling us to. Help us to be bold and courageous. Help us to step outside of that comfort zone, beyond where we think we can go until it expands our faith to include things that were previously impossible. We look forward to what only you can do, God. As we sing, may you work on us. We pray this and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.